for me, reading Leviticus, I always have to ask myself why for every little thing. Like, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Because if you don't ask yourself why, you can just read it and just say that's dumb and then keep reading. You're like, oh, why should like, oh, you're not supposed to have clothes made of two different fabrics. Well, that's dumb. Okay, keep reading, right? <laughs> or why, why do you put mm. blood on your right ear and right hand and right thumb? <laughs> oh, that's dumb. Just keep reading, right? But mm. like, if you actually study, I think that this is where I'm kind of getting at. Um, if you ask the book question, why as we read and are willing to put in even just a little bit of effort, like just a Google search worth of effort, you can at least get some idea of why this is there. Hello, welcome to the PonderCast, where it's okay to think differently about the Bible and theology. Let's get pondering. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the PonderCast. I'm glad that you could join us once again. We're excited for another episode of the PonderCast, and I'm joined again by Drew Petker. And what's our topic for today, Drew? Well, today, Perry, we're going to take a look at um, and trying to answer the question of, do we need to read our whole Bible to call ourselves a Christian? Mm. Or further yet, do we need to read the whole Bible to uh, enable to grow, enable to understand more i guess it's gonna be the question we're gonna to try to debunk or look at today um debunk but just to start myth myth busting debunk. myth busting yeah essentially is that's that's all we're really doing on this podcast is myth busting really <laughs> um no we're we're gonna to try to take a look at some maybe some texts that are a little more obscure maybe boring maybe seem to not fit mm. And I think as Christians, we often just say, oh, a book's too weird. I'm not going to read it. Mm-hmm. Or this is too boring. I'm not going to read it. And a good example of that is like any genealogy. How often people read genealogies, right? I'll just skip that part in my daily devotions and keep going, right? Or like Leviticus or Songs of Solomon, right? These, ver- yep. these yep. books that be, seem kind of... I may be guilty of some of those charges. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we all have to some degree. I mean, mine, mine's revelation, you know, not saying it's not a good book. I just, I get overwhelmed and kind of flustered and I try studying it and everyone says something different. And I just, sometimes it's just easier to close the book. Mm. <laughs> I'll you know, do that later, I always say. And then I never do it later. You know, it was my, uh, for years, I did not like reading the gospels for some reason. I really liked reading uh pauline epistles just more like the epistles and and skipping revelation uh and i think it had to do with the epistles they gave you the theology they gave you what to do and i don't know some reason i just didn't like reading the words of jesus and this these last couple years i've found a uh a newfound appreciation for the gospels uh maybe because they're easier to preach (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah probably that's probably why that'd make good sense i guess um so just to start our conversation here that i don't i just want to be clear kind of what we're talking about um and clarify correct me if i'm wrong here pray but i think like what we don't want to say is that um you have to read your bible to be a christian because we know that you're saved through faith 
right? You're saved, right. You're saved by Christ alone, right? Christ alone saves you. Um, and so we're not saying your salvation comes from reading your Bible. However, we're just kind of, we want to kind of get some understanding of books in the Bible and how are they useful for growing? Hmm. Are they, hmm. um, do we need to understand them? Do they help us actually grow in our faith? Um, can we still consider ourselves growing in, in faith, but just ignore some books, I guess. And so that's kind of what we want to look at today. I mean, this kind of stems from, I've heard people say like, I don't, I'm, I don't like reading Leviticus because it's boring. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a, I mean, and really, if you read it, it's kind of a fair assessment. I mean, it mm-hmm. can be boring at times. Um, or, or like I kind of said, like Revelation because it's too confusing or Song of Solomon because I'm not married. And so like you have all mm-hmm. these, these tensions. And, and so I, kind of, I think it'd be good to look at them at some specifics and some kind of general, just kind of see, well, are these beneficial treat or are they just maybe just for a different demographic or maybe mm-hmm. you shouldn't read them mm-hmm. until you, yeah. you, you're married. But what do you think? Yeah. Well, Any yeah. I mean, there's some good, there's some good questions. There's some good thoughts. And uh, how many people have received that little Gideon Bible? When I was in grade five, I don't know if they do this anymore. But when I was in grade five, the Gideons came to my class in a public school and they gave everybody a new testament with the psalms and proverbs well why is it a new testament with the psalms and proverbs uh because it's easier to read <laughs> and uh jesus is there so that's um one thing that i'll say about that and um yeah we we are saved by the message contained. We're saved through that message. Uh, we think about the culture that these people would have been in. I just heard a lecture a couple of weeks ago um, where he was talking about the, uh, the, the culture in which the gospel writers, the epistle writers were, were living. It was an oral culture. They were passing things uh, they were writing things down, but they were passing things through word of mouth more than actually writing things down. So when you think about it, say on the day of, uh, of Pentecost, or just a lot of instances in Acts where they're preaching the message and people are, you know, they're being convicted. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So it's not necessarily the, you know, Oh yeah, I've read this whole Bible now, and now I'm good to go, <laughs> as a, as a, as a as a saved believer, as a saved Christian. It's about that gospel message that needs to be heard. And I like your point that maybe some of these books need to be read later on in mm-hmm. life, uh, because so, like I'm not going to tell a five year old go read Song of Solomon. It'll be good right. for you. Like, it'll be like, right. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to read this. <laughs> um, yeah. And even, you know, I've heard of stories where there's, or where there's people who have, they've got, uh, say they've taken that, the Bible out of the hotel, like they found a Bible, whatever they've started reading the Bible yeah. and they got to, they got past Genesis. They got past Exodus. Those are pretty easy to read. Actually, there's some pretty tough slugging it at the end of Exodus, but they get to, say Leviticus, and then mm-hmm. 
they stop reading the Bible because uh, it's like, oh, man, that's just that's uh, some crazy stuff, which is kind of too bad. So then what should what should they do? Uh, like there's almost uh, there's almost a, like it's almost like go read the New Testament first. But then how can you read the New Testament without understanding the Old Testament? You know, there's all sorts of nuances. Yeah. Here. Yeah, it makes it kind of complex. Um, well, I mean, and maybe we should start with that book then. Like, I'll just take a look at the book Leviticus. Cause I mean, I think that book has a lot to offer us. Absolutely. If we, if we actually study it, um, I had the privilege of actually doing a little bit of a study on it this past year before COVID hit. I had a beginning, actually, I guess, you know, last year, um, and the privilege of actually going through the book and kind of studying it a little bit. And just by studying it, you see elsewhere in scripture, how understanding this book helps you understand the different book helps you understand Joshua judges helps you understand mm. the rest of Israelite history. But that's not just a simple reading of the text. It's understanding the text, right? And then digging a little deeper than just the face value of what the, the text actually says. I mean, people who say, oh, I don't like reading Leviticus, I totally get it. Like reading about burnt offerings and sin offerings and guilt offerings and, like, and fellowship offerings, like it can become very just like, what's the difference between all these? Why does this matter? For five, six chapters, it talks about these offerings and it can seem very useless. But by understanding those offerings, maybe we understand why, well, like in Leviticus 10, when they bring wrong fire before the Lord, Mm, right or yeah. they do an improper offering we say oh god's god's not fair he's too why would he just kill those people like, like why would he put them to death well if you read right before they're told how to do it and they don't do it that way and so i think just by understanding what it says we can then say oh we have it, it changes our perspective on on god being a wrathful god rather than showing mercy or likewise mm in the sense of David, in, in David's life, right? I mean, he goes into the temple and eats the bread, which he's not supposed to do. And he lives. And then he also commits adultery, murder, right? Both things reserving death according to Leviticus, but God doesn't kill him, right? And mm-hmm. so we can see actually the mercy of God there, extreme mercy, right? And so I think by understanding Leviticus, we actually understand Israelite history better, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. We we understand the character of God most mm-hmm. of all because in Leviticus we see we see part of the the law. It's also been called the holiness code. Uh, we see that in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and 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 so we see how God is working through like with Israel. And I mean, Leviticus has a very specific purpose. It's the, it's the Levitical code. It's meant for the priests. It's like their instructions as priests, what are they to do? And to show God's holiness, to show one aspect of his character. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I was watching a video the other day and it said uh, even a further purpose for Leviticus. Um, if you read the end of Exodus, the beginning of Leviticus, it says, um, like the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So that's how it starts. So it's Moses standing outside the Lord's calling from the tent. But then if you're reading first uh, verse in Numbers, it says, 
Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting. And so it gives you an example of what the book of Leviticus is for. For Israel is for how do we now come before a holy God? Mm. We screwed up. We messed mm-hmm. up. We can't do this. Leviticus is basically how do they come before a holy God? This is how you're supposed to come before the holy God. So for them, mm. there's the purpose of Leviticus, right? They needed that. They understood that. And so us, by understanding that, I mean, it helps us understand Hebrews where it talks about how do we, as believers today, how do we become before a holy God? Hmm. Not through our own righteousness, but Christ's righteousness, right? So th- even just understanding the overall construct of the book, I think we can still pull out similarities between our lives and Israel mm-hmm. um, despite so different ways, right? Despite different. Is Leviticus still applicable for us then? In my view, I think it is because I think, I mean, the maybe not all the actions that are done, maybe not all the things that are prescribed. But like I said, I think it helps us better understand other sections of the Bible. Mm. If that makes sense. Like even um, when it talks about the priest's garments, it talks about an ephod that the priest, the high priest, only the high priest is supposed to wear this thing. Well, you can just read that and kind of brush it off. Okay, the high priest wears this thing. But if you flip over to the story of Gideon and Judges, Gideon, Mm. after he conquers... He makes himself an ephod, mm-hmm. kind of claiming, I am now the person that you are going to go through. I am the, the highest, the most holy or whatever. And if we understand that in Leviticus, only the high priest is supposed to raise the holy thing, only one person. The fact that Gideon made his own is kind of very, I don't even know what the word is. I'm stuck on bad. <laughs> I mean, like, it's very, um, I don't know what the word is, but you know what I'm saying, though, right? The idea of Gideon does this thing that Leviticus says is very holy. It's supposed to be very, there's only supposed to be one of these, and he goes and makes himself his own. And we understand the severity of that. I mean, Judges doesn't tell us what the severity of that is. Hmm. Um, just says that we're supposed to know as the reader, hey, he's not supposed to have that. He's not hmm. supposed to be doing this. Right. He's now disobeying God's law. And that's what we're supposed to know as the reader. But we don't know that if we don't read Leviticus. Hmm. So hmm. that's why I think it is applicable today. What do you think? I mean, go ahead. What do you think about that? Is it applicable today? Should we still read it? Well, first of all, it warms my heart dearly that you love Leviticus. Because I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I... I guess what I meant by that, I guess I was being a little cheeky by asking the question because I don't think like what it prescribes doesn't apply to us today um, because there's a, there's verses in there. Like if, 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 if conservative Christians bring up the verse, it says, I can't quite remember what it says, but like, it's kind of a verse condemning homosexuality. People always come back with, well, <clears throat> what about the verse that says you shall not eat shellfish? Don't, have blended uh, garments, blah, 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 all that stuff. So it's kind of like, obviously these things, I mean, there's still, there's still things there. There's still principles that still apply to us. God's holiness, God's purity for marriage. Like obviously that, that principle for marriage carries over into the old or into the new Testament. So it's, it's this, it's like, the character of God still carries over into the new Testament. And, and, and so mm-hmm. I like what you're saying though. We need to re 
I think what you're trying to say, if I'm understanding this correctly, and maybe I'll put in different mm-hmm. words, is we need yep. to read it with New Testament lenses. We need to help. We need to help. Mm-hmm. We need to let Leviticus help us read the New Testament. Essentially, we need to let, like, we need to let Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We need to let those things help us read the rest of the Old Testament and read the the New Testament. Like these things are helpful for us to understand the rest of the Bible. And I think, yeah, it, I, I mean, think, I think it. Go ahead. No, I way. think it. Sorry. I think it. Um, there's one thing that I, I think would be helpful to talk about a little bit. I just want to bring this up briefly. I'll try to be as brief as I can about this. Um, yep. There was, there was a heresy back in oh who you know the early church that they fought against was the belief that the the God in the Old Testament was different from the God in the New Testament. And so he he this guy this guy named Marcion and I might be hopefully I'm not getting my heresies mixed up here. I should have. Guess that and heresy. Mixed up on your heresy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a game show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. So it was, uh, you know, he was trying to kind of say, we're, we're not going to, we're going to ignore the Old Testament. And then he was kind of like taking mm-hmm. verses. He was all, and then he was taking verse, Old Testament verses out of the New Testament. Like he had to revise the New Testament. So essentially he was oh, just wow. like making his own Bible. And I think, uh, I think that attitude still that attitude is definitely still prevalent where people say, well, look at the God of the old Testament. Like he's angry. He's wrathful. He does all these things that are mean. Mm -hmm. And then we see in the new Testament, there's this God of love and generosity and graciousness. And I think that attitude can really impede our reading of the Bible. And I think that's a legitimate uh, concern. Yeah. And it also, I also, you know, a couple of years ago, in recent memory, I, ca- I think it was 2018. I can't quite remember. It was very controversial anyways when Mr. Andy Stanley said that we should unhitch the Old Testament from the New, uh, the Old Testament from the New Testament. Uh, I think right. I can understand where he's going with that, but, it, but people were really accusing him of being a Marcion or being, you know, he was very close to being a Marcion. And I, you know... I didn't appreciate that comment. I think it caused more controversy than not. Uh, but essentially saying the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore and that we don't need to read it because he was, he was preaching through Acts. I think he could have said it in a better way. I think I understand what he was trying to get at now. At first, I was kind of like, no, that's wrong, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I think I understand where he's going. He's trying to say, and even and even he said you don't need to read the Bible because it's about the message. It's like, as we were preparing for this episode, I thought, am I agreeing with Andy Stanley now? Even though I've been making fun of him this whole time. <laughs> um, yeah. But what he was saying is that the principles in the Old Testament don't matter to us anymore, and that's what the that's what the the apostles were trying to figure out in Acts as an early church. They were trying to figure these things mm-hmm. out. But back to my, but back to this Marcion thing. You, I think you've already addressed this, and and we're doing very simple job at it. Uh, we could go into more depth in this, but God right. is the same in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We're seeing a different aspect mm-hmm. of God in the Old Testament than we are in the New Testament. We're seeing more of God's grace, but we don't. But we don't. It's not like we don't see God's grace in the Old Testament. We're just seeing. Yeah. more in the new testament we're seeing more of god's holiness and more of god's wrath yeah and i think that that helps us understand his mercy in the new testament like 
He's helping us understand yeah. I am holy. Yeah. And, and I think we don't understand the mercy of God in the old Testament as much. We don't understand his patience, his, his forbearance. We don't understand it because we don't understand the law. And so he's actually very patient with his people. I mean, mm. extremely patient. Amen. How many times do they grumble? How many times do they <laughs> serve idols? How many times do they turn their backs? How many times in judges alone does he bring them back, deliver them, continually delivering them from their oppressors? Like time and time. He doesn't have to do that. Hmm. Do you mean we, don't, we don't see that as a grace of God. We just see the stories where he I don't know, smites people or, or people drop dead for touching the art. Like things like we see all these. I think it's just because we don't understand. Exactly. One, the holiness of God. We also don't understand the justice and mercy of God in the Old Testament. I think that's what the law helps us do. Right. And so I think, I think that's kind of where we need to understand the law better. Mm-hmm. That kind of brings me into my next kind of thought um, as to why uh, we should read these books. And I think these like books like Leviticus, I think, I mean, for me, reading Leviticus, I always have to ask myself why. Like for every little thing, like, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Because if you don't ask yourself why, you can just read it and just say that's dumb and then keep reading. You're like, oh, why should, like, oh, you're not supposed to have clothes made of two different fabrics. Well, that's dumb. Okay, keep reading, right? <laughs> or why, why do you put mm. blood on your right ear and right hand and right thumb? <laughs> oh, that's dumb. Just keep reading, right? But mm. like if you actually study, I think that's, this is where I'm kind of getting at. Um, if you ask the book, question why as we read and are willing to put even just a little bit of effort like just a google search worth of effort you can at least get some idea of why this is there and i think i think it comes down to just kind of laziness to be honest i think we can get a lot from leviticus if we just put in work Mm. in reading yeah yeah exactly exactly and i think i think i think that's why i love the book of leviticus because it forces you to kind of you can't just read it and it's like, Oh yeah, I fully understand that. And that was very beneficial to my life as a Christian today. Like that doesn't happen. You can't just read it and understand it perfectly and apply it to your life. No, you have to study it and, and dwell on it, think about it and exactly. get yourself in that mindset. And, exactly. and, and so I, don't know, I think that's where, where I can land with the book of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what about uh, Song of Solomon? Because you had mentioned, and uh, is it appropriate for like when, right. you know, what's the purpose yeah. of Song of Solomon? When should it be read? All those questions. Yeah. I think this one's a little tougher. I think it gets attacked a lot, like this book. Oh, really? I think it got attacked mm-hmm. even more. I think it got attacked even more in like the earlier, like the early church. I think like they had a lot of different ideas of what this actually meant, what it was. And I think it is a culprit of kind of, oh, we don't need to read that book. And I thought it was kind of hard to land somewhere on this one because, I mean, I mean, if we're honest with it, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I think it's, it's hard to kind of say, you should read this now or later. Um, like you said, I wouldn't ask a five-year-old to go read Song of Solomon. And, I mean, probably rightfully so. You wouldn't give, I don't know, you wouldn't give, a 10 year old John Calvin's institutes to read. Why not? He needs a thesaurus. Well, he's a thesaurus and a dictionary to understand half the words in it. No, no. Right? But do you know what I'm saying? I think, I think reading is kind of, you have to be within your, mm. your knowledge. That being said, if you're 16 years old, should you be reading song of Solomon. 
I mean, you can understand what's happening. You, you can read it and, and kind of understand it. Mm. You can, mm-hmm. but is it beneficial for you to read? I guess is the mm. question. Is it, is it beneficial? I mean, there's beneficial themes in it for sure. But once again, that kind of comes down to your, how much work are you willing to put into it? Right. Do you want to get something out of it or you just want to read it for the sake of reading it? Hmm. Well, and I wonder, I think there's a beneficial uh, way. There's a, there's a helpful way of maybe reading this uh, a Song of Solomon. And uh, one of my teachers right. in fourth year was very adamant and said, Song of Solomon isn't an allegory. It's not an allegory. Well, a lot of the church fathers said you could read it that way. So I'm going to take their word on it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, they were saying there's the original meaning, but if you can, if, but if Christ is on every page of the Bible, then you can find him there in Song of Solomon. And what's the point? What's my point? Maybe we can read it as Christ and the church, like the deep love mm. between Christ and his bride. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's an original purpose for it, but there's also, you know, how to, what can we understand about Jesus there? And I don't think that's necessarily like that might be a very helpful way for us to read that and understand what's happening there. Yeah. I think, I think it's, how do I say this? I think it's both end. Like, I think you can read it that way and understand mm-hmm. this love is a love that is um, from God. And it is this passionate love between two lovers and you can kind of relate it to Christ and the church or man and God. However, I don't think that is the only way to read it. In my opinion, like I don't think, I think it is an actual narrative. Like I think it's actually, I think it actually happened, I guess is what I'm saying. It's right. not just an allegory. Right. That's and that's not, say. that's not what I'm saying. I don't think, I don't think, okay. I don't think many of the church fathers would say that. They're just saying, right. Yes. It's a love song between two lovers. Um, but it's all, but you can also read it in this fashion. Like the church fathers were very right. much like reading uh, different passages kind of more in, a, in more of an allegorical sense, but not, not dismissing the, the literal sense of it. Um, right. And I know that people will push back against that because you have to read the literal sense. And that's the only sense is the plain yeah. sense. I don't think, uh, I think I, I think we'd be remiss to miss what the church fathers said about these things because it's helpful for us because they were the, I just read a book called Reading Scripture with the Church Fathers and they're like they were kind of like this is a hard passage <laughs> to read in the Old Testament how do we understand in light of Christ like that was kind of their que- like that was kind of their their quest mm-hmm. their question when they were reading the Old Testament and that's a very legitimate question as New Testament yeah. believers, as post-resurrection believers, how do we read these things in light of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so, well, and I think. Well, sorry, can I, if I may, I think there is a like I said, like I think it all comes down to what lens are you reading it in? Like, are you just reading it for the sake of reading it? Or are you reading it with a lens of trying to pick out themes in the Old Testament, trying to pick out themes that come in the New Testament? And like you said, like Christ's love for the church, if you're reading it with that kind of lens, you can see, oh man, these people love each other and they're humans loving each other. How much more does God, the giver of love, love those who 
serve and honor him. And you mean like mm-hmm. so we get um I think it, it gives us a picture of this the love of God between these two people. We get a picture of the love of God for us. Um I was reading when I was doing a little study on this thing in Bible school actually. I can't remember what it was actually, but we're reading in how um this relationship is almost like a garden esque relationship, like the mm. Garden of Eden kind of relationship. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I mean, there's tons of garden imagery in this book, which both bring us back to the Garden of Eden. And you have this in Song of Solomon, you have this idea of people who are open, they're unified, they feel safe within each other. They're, do you mean they're, they're, it's a very, it's like, it's almost like a relationship that's not selfish, right? They, they often talk about each other. They're, mm-hmm. um, not seeking their own desires. And so you almost get this picture of the garden, but then also that kind of the picture of the garden should bring us back to, well, when Christ returns, right? It should give us a sense mm. of the new heaven and new earth. So I think mm-hmm. if we understand it, if we, we study and look at it through a different lens, we can kind of place these things together and see, Oh, this is like an image of the garden, which is like an image of perfection, which is what is going to happen. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think the idea of reading it through a lens, not just reading it to read something that you have, I don't know, interests you or whatever to, to mm-hmm. have read before. I think, I think, right. I think you have to read it and study it and kind of read it with this lens of, okay, how does this fit in with the rest of scripture? How does this, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's also the fact that it's wisdom literature, right? It's not, um, you're not trying to fit it into a storyline, right? It's not trying to fit it into it's wisdom literature. So you have to put that, those glasses on too, right? Right. What is the author trying to relate to us? What kind of wisdom am I supposed to part- take part from this? What am I supposed to understand from this? Mm-hmm. And so I think, like I said, so I think genres, overall themes, I think all these things play a factor in when reading hard texts. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry to say this, Drew, but we are running out of time. So do you want to bring everything together? Well, okay. So to summarize, I think, because our main question was, do we need to read these books to grow in faith do we need to read them all and it's hard to say i think some people should maybe lay off reading some books until you can understand what it's saying and understand how to go about um studying them reading them Hmm. but i do think scripture does point us to something else helps us better understand something else in scripture um and so i think by reading different things and by understanding all these books I think we can actually come to a better understanding of the whole narrative in general. And so I think, I think, yeah, I think it is beneficial to read um, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Song of Solomon, the Psalms, even though they seem repetitive. Do you mean like, I think there is reason to read those things because I do think they um, are beneficial, but do we read them all anytime or is there a time and place in your life to read them? I think that's, that's a question I would kind of, hmm leave for you and our and our listeners i guess because i mean the age old or the, the classic verse 2 timothy three sixteen hmm. says for all scriptures god breathed is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training righteousness and then verse 17 so the servant to god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work um so it says all scripture is useful is it useful to everyone all the time is it you mean is it beneficial for um all people, I mean, all the time. So 
I think there's a little more discussion to be have here. So maybe I'll leave that for our comments section in, <laughs> in, uh, on the Facebook page. Is it, well, I mean, because I'm still figuring that out, right? I don't know if it is useful for certain people at certain times, right? If you're not, mm -hmm. not the capability of understanding. Mm -hmm. That's not to say if you're single and 40, you shouldn't read Song Solomon. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, do you mean that? See, they have, you have different uh, people in different areas of life that exactly um, need to kind of figure it out, right? And, and think. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'll leave that question for a comment section. Is it <laughs> is all scripture useful for all people at all times? Hmm. Let us know what you think. Because I don't yeah. know the answer. Yeah. Do you, Perry? Well, I'll say, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. Because when Paul wrote that, he was referring to the Old Testament. So obviously it mattered. And it might be a matter of this. Per it's just, you know, some of these things might be too hard to grasp right now. So read something that's a little bit easier. Like I remember years ago, just toiling through Revelation. Like just, oh, it was brutal. And, uh, you know, I, I said that, I think a couple of weeks at youth group, I was like, asking for prayer as I was reading through Revelation. <laughs> and uh, I think my, the youth leader was like, just stop reading Revelation for now and go read something easy. Go read something you like, like Ephesians or something. It's like, oh, okay. So I stopped and uh, just, you know, it was just brutal. So there's times, there's seasons. What does Ecclesiastes say? There's a time for mourning yeah. and there's a time for dancing morning was revelation dancing was ephesians and i right. mean revelation is a very like i've found uh, you know i i love revelation um it's a it's a book of hope it's not it's people get so like i think it's such a hard book for people because, yeah let's not get into that let's not get into that but ultimately it's a book of hope and i think we should leave it there for now so well, well, can I share one more thought? Yes, you can. You you answered my question for our listeners. Did I? No. Well, yeah. No. Where where are they going to comment? Oh, they can. Uh, but still. I would agree. I, I that was kind of what I was thinking when I asked the question. Like, is it good for all people? I think it is. But you said the idea of time and place. Is there time for you to read it? Is there? So I think that was a good a good way to end this conversation, Perry. I think that was a good summary. But don't let that hinder you guys from checking us out on <laughs> yeah. uh, commenting on Perry's pond. Yes, exactly. Yes. So we want to thank you, everybody, for listening today. We really appreciate it. Uh, please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps the uh, helps spread the Pondercast. Also, share us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter and all those places. We really depend on you, our listeners, in order to advertise the PonderCast. And we mm -hmm. want others to join this conversation. So we really appreciate it if you could share this and spread the word with others. Um, and you can be a part of, uh, part of our mission of thinking differently. You can give us feedback or episode ideas by emailing us at perrysponderings at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at perrysponderings. There, you can join the conversation with the question, should Christians read the whole Bible? Is it beneficial for Christians to read the whole Bible? For more ponderings, check out perrysons.com. Thanks again, and see you next week. Keep pondering.